Welcome to Business Casual, the weekly podcast of Poets and Quants. I'm John Byrne with Poets and Quants with my co-host, Maria Wickvilla and Caroline D.R.T. Edwards. Caroline, of course, is the former head of admissions at NCOD and the co-founder of Fortuna Admissions, a leading admissions consulting firm for MBAs. And Maria is the founder of Applicant Lab. We're going to talk today about the slump in domestic applications. This is something that has been going on for a while. I think this slump right now has become fairly significant. And if you look at some of the class profiles that have been released in the last week or two, here's what you're finding. Uh, Wharton overall apps down 14%, UCLA down 20%, Darden down 3.5%, Cornell won't even say what what its application numbers are. I assume that they're down in, um, in fairly significant double digits as a result. And the other trend you see besides the fact that they're down is that in general, international enrollments are not only up in these classes, but they're often at record levels. Uh, the only exception here is Wharton, uh, which is pretty much steady. The international cohort in this year's incoming classes 35% versus 36%. But look at UCLA, 47% of the class incoming are international versus 36 the year before. At Darden, it's a new record, 43% versus 40%. At Cornell, it's 43% versus 35%. And what those numbers tell you is basically international applications continue to be strong, even though there's a lockdown in China. And they're uh, basically drawing more from an international pool because there are fewer domestic applicants. Now, there are a lot of ideas around there about why this is happening. We've talked a little bit about one in the past, which is that the economy in the U.S. has been very hot and employers are trying to hold on to their young professionals and doing everything from offering them increases in pay uh, to uh, increases in responsibilities to keep them out of graduate school. But there's also this whole uh, notion that more and more people are questioning the value of the degree. The degree looks awfully expensive, particularly because you're only going to see the price tag on them and not the discounts afforded on the price by scholarships and fellowships. There's a sense that the degree is just not as exclusive as it once was. Uh, there are, after all, 1,100 accredited MBA programs by the AACSB. There are some companies uh, that uh, have relied on MBA hires for a long time, and they basically have opened up new pathways. Even the MBB firms are hiring laterally from the big four to some extent. So you don't have, in many cases, you know, an MBA as a requirement for your way on the top. I'm wondering, Caroline, have you seen this trend in your clients? And what do you think is the main reason behind it? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a combination of all the things that you've mentioned. And some of those are long-term trends, right? So things like you mentioned about how an MBA is not required to progress in some careers to the same extent that it was in the past. I mean, that has been that that trend has been going on for sort of 15, 20 years, I would say. So so um, that, and, you know, I think that's a good thing, right? I, I don't think that people should do an MBA because it's required by their employer. And frankly, I've seen some people in the past do that. 
and um, they sort of weren't as committed to the whole experience, right, as other people who were super motivated to do the MBA and they probably took the place away from someone who might have got more out of it. So, so I think it's good that people are doing it for the right reasons and not because their employer said, you know, if you want to get a promotion, you have to head off to business school first. So I think it's good that there are multiple ways to progress in companies and not just head off to business school. And there was a dip in volume of international applicants and, and international students at the top US schools during the Trump years. So it, it's good to see that those applicants coming back. And you know, I'm a huge fan, as you know, of the benefits of having a strong international community on MBA programs um, for everybody, right? I think everyone benefits from that. So I think that's a very positive, positive trend that there will be an increased representation of international students with all the wonderful diversity and and variety of perspectives that that brings to the business school classroom. So I think that's, that's, that's a very positive evolution um, at the US business schools. So I would agree that that's, that there is a, a downward trend, but I also think that it may well be short-lived, right? Because we are anticipating the strong possibility of a recession in the coming months. And if that does happen, then there's likely to be um, a big increase in application volume domestically. True. So it's probably a, a, a short-term trend right now. And it'll be interesting to see. I think things could change quite quickly. Yep. Maria, your take? Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, I want to say, like, let's put these sort of these plummeting numbers into perspective. I think that we are coming off of record high applications during the peak COVID years. And right. so, you know, for example, like, yes, I, if I'm doing the numbers right, I think Wharton might be down, say, 13 percent versus last year. But then it was 11 percent versus the year before. And it's actually 7 percent higher than where it was three years ago. So. Right. You know, like these these fluctuations sort of come and go. And I do want to, you know, I, I, I would I don't think I want the story to necessarily be like, oh, domestic applications are down so much. It's a, it's a big tragedy because I do think if you I think that the fair thing to do would be to compare them more against sort of remove the past two years from the data set um, as an anomaly. Although admittedly, like in this day and age, you know, un- the unexpected is now expected. And so I almost wonder if that could also be an explanation as to why things are are decreasing. Maybe it is that at first, when the pandemic first hit, everyone thought, well, the economy is definitely going to take a hit. And so now I should try to find refuge in business school. But now there is so much, you know, maybe there is going to be a recession in three months. Maybe there isn't going to be a recession in three months. Maybe there's going to be another strain of COVID in three months, or maybe three months are going to find a vaccine that that solves it forever. And so I feel like maybe for some people, because because two years ago at the beginning of the pandemic, it was clear that things were definitely going in a downward negative direction. But now we're like in more we're in choppier waters, I feel like, where things go they go up and then they go down and they go up and they go down. And so I almost wonder if part of it might be some people saying, you know what, maybe there's gonna be a recession, maybe there's gonna be another strain of COVID that's gonna ruin everything, or maybe it's you know, we don't know if things are going to go up or down or up or down because there, there have been such mixed news and mixed messages and all kinds. So I almost wonder if sometimes people might be clinging to their jobs just out of a sense of, you know, at least I know that this is this is steady. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully this is like a little life raft that I can bob, 
you know, I can sort of bob up and down on the waves as they as they crest and fall, or you know, at least I can sort of hang on to that. And I wonder if that's a part of the mentality as well. What about this notion that the, the degree itself? I mean, it's been the most popular graduate degree in America for quite some time now, overtaking the master's in education. And I wonder if if there is something to the fact that it's it, it doesn't feel as exclusive a degree as it once was. Marie, what do you think of that? I think that there's always, for any luxury good, the more there is of it, the less luxurious it is. I mean, that's the definition. <laughs> that's the very definition of it, right? Like if, if, you know, if Harvard College or Yale College or MIT were to accept every single person who could go, who was smart enough to go, and all of a sudden we have, you know, 200,000 people a year graduating with a degree from MIT, you know, guess what? That's, that is going to make it seem less exclusive. It doesn't matter what the good or service is. So I think that there is something to that. However, I just, I don't know that the numbers really back that up because if that were the case, then what we would see, at least at the top schools, is we would see salaries staying steady or going downwards. We would see lower employment rates. We would see people having a harder time getting a job upon graduation, right? So if the, if the market really were overly saturated, I think if the numbers would bear that out. Yeah, but that's I don't a really good point. And, and what we're seeing are record compensation levels and record placement levels. Right. So, so I mean, perhaps overall, in the overall market, when we talk about, yes, there are over a thousand MBA programs out there. Sure. An MBA from mom and pop corner store university, probably not going to, not really going to make that much of a difference in someone's life. But in terms of the top sort of 20, 50, maybe even top 100 schools, I, you know, there may be that perception out there that, yeah, well, now everyone's got an MBA, so I'm not going to do it. But at the same time, like the numbers don't lie. And employers are definitely putting, their money behind these graduates and they are doing so consistently. So they have to like what they see when they get this new talent in their doors, hence why they keep coming back year after year. So True. I don't know, that may be the market perception, but I, I think a quick glance at the career reports would hopefully squash that pretty quickly. Yeah, that's a super good point. Now, now Caroline, in Europe, where the MBA degree is not even the most popular graduate management degree, it happens to be the master's in management, I'm thinking there should be no issue that the MBA is not as exclusive as it once was, right? In fact, if anything, there should be greater acceptance of a degree that initially didn't have as much acceptance in Europe as it had in the U.S., Yes, it's true. It's not as well known a qualification still as the MBA is in the US, right? It's not as ubiquitous. And, and so I think that employers, you know, you, you say that the MBA may have lost some pre prestige to in, in some people's eyes. I mean, I, I think that just having it, as Maria said, having an MBA is not enough, right? Whereas in the past, perhaps if you said you had an MBA, that carried more weight. What matters today is where you got your MBA from, right? I think that carries much more weight than it may have done in the past because there are so many other schools. True. And that's that's true in Europe as it is elsewhere. And and also, you know, if if you've if you have um, you know, it's what you do with the degree, right? That 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 matters. And so, you know, it may still make a lot of sense for someone to do to go to business school and, and get an MBA, even if it's not the most prestigious school, right? If it's not one of the top top 10, top 20 international schools, if they've got a good reason to do it and they know how they're going to leverage that experience and how they're going to put that knowledge to work, right? They will still learn a great deal 
from the program. There are there are a lot of great schools out there. So I think it's important for candidates to understand, you know, why they're going to business school and 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 what they're going to get out of it. And there are many different reasons, and there are many different paths into business school and and out of school to to make it a you know a successful proposition. The other thing is there are some other trends I think that have occurred that that have taken a bite out of the applicant pool. One is the proliferation of online MBAs. You know, they're not for everyone, but when you're looking at the entire market and there are now more than 350 online MBA programs in the U.S. alone, each of them with uh, a good number of students in them, you can, you can say, well, it had to have some siphoning effect on the full-time market. And, uh, and the same is true for all the specialty master's programs in business that have become quite popular. Also, the undergraduate business degree and undergraduate business education is so much better today than it had been a quarter of a century ago. And because business majors are the most popular majors in America, it may be that a lot of people just don't think they need uh, a graduate degree when they've already had a very good undergraduate business experience. And then I had an admissions consultant. I had a conversation with someone last week who raised another issue. And I wondered how the two of you react to this. She thinks that white males in particular in the U.S. feel they don't have a fighting chance, given all the talk about diversity and all the attention paid to diversity and all the scholarship money that's uh, being funneled into making incoming cohorts far more diverse than they had been before. Maria, do you buy that? I mean, any white male candidate who says, wow, I would have loved to apply to business school, but I'm not going to because more women are going or more people who aren't white are going. Like, if you're that weak of spirit, <laughs> then <laughs> I don't think I don't, you know, like, I don't think it's a huge loss for the overall applicant pool. Like, if you're such a big whiner, I think that a lot of very mediocre white men use the influx of women and minorities as an excuse I would agree with own, you. For their own mediocrity. And now that they have to compete against more people, maybe before they didn't have to compete as much against people who were uh, motivated and intelligent. But now there's more competition and it's easy to point the finger towards things that are visible. So gender is something that is visible. Race and ethnicity are often very visible. Someone who practices a certain religion, that might be visible. So when you when you find things that are easy to look at or to see then you can say, well, I'm the victim here. I also, you know, it's funny that some, some white males who today might be complaining, they might not realize that 30, 50 years ago, if they would have not even gone to an Ivy League college for undergrad, they wouldn't have been even in the running for a top MBA. And so, so the diversity, the same diversity that is now giving a, what the, some of these men may consider to be a quote unquote unfair advantage to say women and minorities, they are also beneficiaries of that because of these schools' attempts over the past several decades to not only recruit people from Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, right? So, so I think that sometimes, you know, I think sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's easy to look at uh, the other and to say, wow, that, that increased competition is, it's not fair. But you know what? I think the thing that I always, I love numbers and, you know, you point to those those uh, similar GMAT scores, the fact that the schools have been able to maintain, if not raise, 
their average GMAT scores over the past several years. Uh, if it really were quote unquote less qualified applicants getting in and taking the place that a white male quote unquote deserves, uh, then the numbers would bear that out and they don't. So that is the diplomatic and <laughs> that is that is a far more diplomatic version that just came out of my mouth than the version that is in my head. But hopefully I was able to walk a fine line. Hey, Maria, I'm, I'm very impressed with that. I, I, yes. I very good explanation. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to put myself on mute, though, now and, and scream it a lot. Okay. <laughs> we'll re we will read between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I asked you, Maria, first. Uh, <laughs> Caroline, your take on it? <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that it's a bit rich, right, coming from the group that has reigned supreme for decades to sit now say, oh, well, it's not fair. They're getting in and it's making it a bit harder for me. Um, it's it's it, it's really pathetic. And I totally agree with Maria that and I, I've heard some people use this. And it's it's it, as she says, it's an excuse for maybe not trying and um, and and for perhaps you know not having the same success that they that they might have had 20 30 years ago when um other groups were not getting a fair shot at things right so it right. It, it, it does it, it it is rather pathetic and and i don't agree that it, it it's true i think if you have a strong case if you're a strong candidate regardless of your ethnicity and 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 so on then you have a fair shot at, at getting into business school Perhaps you don't have a much better chance than everyone else as you did, you know, in 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 days past. But um, that's something that you know we should be all be glad about rather than complaining about. And really and it may it, it may be that you know there are there are white males who in the past might have thought you know I really have to go to business school for the reasons that you were mentioning earlier that. It's a sort of expected as my part of my career path at my investment bank or at my management consulting firm. That may have been the case in the past where they felt that, you know, they really need, needed to do that to, to progress. And that's not the case anymore. So maybe some of those white males aren't applying because they don't absolutely have to and they're not terribly motivated to do so. So, again, you know, maybe that is there is a drop in that 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 group applying to business school but as i said i think people should apply for the right reasons and not because they feel that it's a hoop that they have to jump through um right. they should apply because they're, they're truly motivated and they're really passionate about pursuing that as as part of their their personal development and all this brings me back to something we've said here before and said it more than once if you want to go and you are a domestic applicant my goodness, make sure you apply in the round one uh, for the round one deadlines because we expect this decline to continue. But if the recession occurs, as Caroline has mentioned earlier, and the trend uh, that has been historical is withheld, is, is held up, we would expect to see a significant increase in applications, possibly even as early as round two. And so we think, we've said this before, round one is a fantastic time to apply to a highly selective MBA program if you are a domestic applicant, for sure. Um, that's always true to try to get in there early as long as you think you can make your best case. 
Um, but for domestic applicants, I think that's especially true given the uh, continual decline in the applicant pool of domestic candidates. Uh, any last words, Maria? You know, I, I think that there are just always going to be these fluctuations up and down. And yes. I just I just think that what folks should do is is look at the degree, decide if the pros and cons and expenses and payoffs make sense for them, and then go for it. And also keep in mind that one thing that's very nice about the MBA process as compared to other forms of higher education is that if you don't get in one year, you can always try again. You don't just get one shot at it. So, you know, just keep keep trying and or also be flexible, right? Those Some of those alternative degrees that you mentioned, John, as a reason why perhaps the MBA is itself maybe losing um, some of its sheen. Those alternative degrees also, however, give you as an applicant alternatives to strengthen your education and to advance your career that don't necessarily require the MBA. So just sort of be flexible with how you go through your, your life and your career, and I think you'll be fine. And I'm going to remind people that when they look at the price tags of MBA programs and they're shocked by them, to remember that uh, the price seems to be transparent, um, but the actual cost is not. And that's because there is a lot of scholarship money sloshing around at all of these schools. Uh, in the last 10, 15, 20 years, deans have made, a, made it a priority to go out and fundraise for scholarship money. So these price tags are heavily discounted. And there are many MBA programs that in fact operate at a loss because they're so heavily subsidized by the schools. And part of that is the whole rankings game and gaining a high ranking that casts a, a more favorable shadow on everything else the school does. But it's a shame that you know those, those discounts are not more transparent for candidates because you basically have to go through uh, the, the marathon journey of taking the test, scoring well, doing the apps, executing a really good app, getting your recommendations, uh, going through the interviews, nothing, all these hurdles before you find out if you're going to get going to get any money from a school. And if there was a way to make more transparent those scholarship awards and to put into perspective those high price tags, I think that actually would help the industry a lot. Caroline, don't you think that's true? It, it, it's, it's, it's very true, John, that it, it's impossible for candidates to know at the outset what the true costs will then, for them will be. And that, that makes planning very, very difficult and does put some candidates off. The issue is that schools are using scholarships to, to manage their yield, to make sure that they are able to attract the very best candidates and retain the very best admits. And so if they were more transparent upfront about who gets what money, it might make it more difficult for them to use their scholarship funds in that way. Right. So mm, yeah, there are certainly benefits true. to the schools of having some flexibility behind the scenes of how to allocate those funds. Yep. But it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting debate because, as you say, the, the price tag can be very off-putting for some candidates. And it's, I'm sure there are people who don't apply because of that, not realizing that if they actually went through the process and got admitted at the end of the day, they may end up getting some really good financial support from the school, and it would actually be more feasible than they imagine. Right. And only recently, Harvard announced, for example, that um, they're going to give out far more full rides for their MBA program than they ever had before, uh, which is 
also ups the ante for all the schools that are in the peer group that Harvard competes in, because, you know, even if they don't match it, they're going to feel pressure uh, to throw more money in the kitty to hand out to really qualified applicants that they want to land. And that's, that's part of the game. So big takeaway. Hey, if you're a domestic applicant, get your application in in round one. We think this is an ideal shot for you. And, and um, I think admission offices are going to, you know, we often say they'll wink at one bad aspect of your application and tend not to wink at it too, whether it's a low GPA or a below average uh, GMAT or GRE score, or maybe your work experience isn't as exclusive uh, or redeeming as they would like. Well, we, we, I, I th- actually think, you know, they're going to wink at two things if you're a domestic applicant and maybe only one if you're an international applicant. So, so get your app in before the recession makes a big difference and pushes volume back up. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Maria. And thank you, Caroline, for your insights. 